Okay, so I want to start off by introducing you. You're, you become one of my best friends, mm. like top <laughs> three, top two, top one. <laughs> you are such a magical individual. You're so full of love. You've also been, um, for me, recently, most recently, you become this like catalyst for my relationship with the divine feminine. Mm. And so I'm like really grateful for you. And I'm really excited I get to interview you. <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to really just have like a really open conversation, I feel. Yeah. And it's going to be really powerful. And so I just like want to jump right in with um, everything that you are, everything that you're creating. I have to know. Okay, I have to know. <laughs> um, like, what is the inspiration? Like, you're so you're a healer. You're a dancer. You sing and song, right? And you're also a poet. Like, you're all these, like, very healing, <laughs> powerful things. And it's like, what is that driving force? Mm. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you for the recognition and the acknowledgement and the love and the opportunity to connect like this. I'm really grateful. And let's see. <clears throat> the driving force. Let me tune in to the answer of that because it feels like it's a big question that has a big answer. <sighs> it doesn't feel like it's one thing. It doesn't feel like it's a driving force. It actually kind of feels like it's all of these different links in a chain that kind of like hold it all together. Um, and one of those is movement. And feeling like when I move my body, like I just am so creatively inspired. And so it feels like um, I'll slip into a, a space of dancing and then a poem will come through. And I feel like I've had to use dancing as my medicine. Um, it kind of, it started with poetry and then moved into dancing. But poetry and dancing those have been two of my like big medicines for my own healing journey and like using my poetry when I was a kid, like young, young to reflect on my feelings and emotions and like process my feelings, yeah. whether it was crushes on boys or like grief over my mother, you know, like all these different things I would, I would process them through poetry. And so it started as my medicine with that. And, um, you know, later on in my healing journey, finding movement, it was part of the healing journey of processing my feelings, but also tending to my body, which mm. I'm type one diabetic. And so wow. moving my body every day, I learned through trial and error and many years of suffering that movement is a crucial part of my medicine. And so I started dancing in parks. <laughs> I started like, I would take a puff of marijuana because I love me some Mary Jane. And I would put my headphones in and I would go to a park and I would just dance. Like I would dance my heart out and I was so shy at first because like I was not a dancer my whole life. I was like, I can't do that. But it started with shuffling music, like like EDM house music. I would shuffle. And so I would go to the park and I would shuffle. And then eventually it kind of evolved into like lots of hip movements and like dancing with my sensuality, which was new for me. You know, I'd never really done that. But through doing that, I was feeling so good in my body and I was feeling like it was promoting balance in my diabetes. And so 
you know, having these kind of like pillars of poetry and movement, really, it felt like it, um, it set a foundation for me. And so now where I'm at now in my life is I'm sharing that with other people. And I'm, you know, not just um, moving for self-care anymore, but I'm moving for entertainment and I'm moving for people to witness me in that and witness like how good I'm feeling in my body. And then hopefully the conversations um, that can arise from that is like, oh yeah, I do this for diabetes too. And like, it's like my self-care, but it's also a way that I show myself to the public. Um, and then with my poetry, I, I feel like there's a lot of power in words and sharing that with others and sharing like these little stories through poetry for others people resonate with it in a way that's unique to them because they with poetry it's not so specific that someone's like oh this is exactly what happened it's more like wow I feel that on my own level you know and so yeah that's the movement the dancing the poetry it feels like it's the driving force if you will is um physical harmony with my body and emotional balance uh, that, that that's the driving force and now it's just spreading out to the world and then with the energy healing um, my driving force with that feels like it was was and is a continuation of discovering the divine and like discovering connection to something bigger than me discovering connection to the life force of the earth and like again started with me I was heartbroken and homeless and sick in North Carolina and like I I had no idea how to bring myself back into balance and so I just danced and I would fall to the earth and I would feel this like not quite a heartbeat but like I would feel this like life force emanating from the earth when I was so heartbroken and tender and just open and like laying on the earth I would feel this like energy coming to me like a mother like this mothering energy and I would feel that from trees too and so in my energy healing I call a lot upon like the energy of the earth and that came from you know a lot of these different times where I, I had to rely on the energy of the earth to bring me back into balance so yeah, if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, totally. For I'm, sure. like, neurodivergent, so sometimes I hit one of the main points or I hit all of them and then some, but, yeah. you know, it's it's a ballpark. Well, it gives us a way to, like, springboard into, like, whatever else we're wanting to talk about because it seems like something that I hear is, like, knowing you personally and being as close as we are and being there for a lot of witnessing you move through some really big emotions and some really um kind of like big states of being just like mm -hmm. to see you go through um kind of like this uh whirlwind sometimes of emotions and the same mm -hmm. way for me you know that like that's just life right it's like um we are using these forms of healing to help ourselves and then we realized how powerful they were and so mm -hmm. we started helping others yeah. so it's kind of like you're yeah. like um it's a very mystical experience and being able to like be the cell that helps mm. liven itself in that it helps liven others as well mm. right so yeah. it's like um talk about briefly um not briefly yes <laughs> i'm brief as possible um talk about um what it was like um 
dealing with these diagnoses um, and then having to find your own healing journey and not something that's like institutionalized. Mm. Right? Because I think that a lot of people, they get that diagnosis and it feels like a death sentence or something yeah. like that. But like, you're like, no. Yeah. Uh, this is such a powerful question with such a powerful answer. So thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to kind of navigate it into chunks. Diabetes and ADHD, because mm-hmm. my approach to both of these diagnoses is, 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 is my diagnosi. Diagnosi. <laughs> my um, approach to these are two very different things. So mm-hmm. I will unbriefly dive into both of these things. <laughs> okay. Um, so with diabetes, I was diagnosed at 10 years old. Wow. 10 years old. Oh my gosh. And my parents had like just gotten a divorce and like so much was changing and um it just felt like i didn't really quite understand it because i was so young you know i was just like oh okay i have to take shots now and like go to the nurse multiple times a day and oh i have to like pay attention to what i eat and oh you mean i can't just snack on things so it was like a lot to shift to as a child Mm -hmm. and i was really like irritated, annoyed, embarrassed, felt different from everyone for a long time. Well, at the same time, there was a part of me that like used it as like, um, teacher, my blood sugar's low. I need to go to the nurse. (laughs) Um, I'm diabetic. You have to let me go. Like I was not always in integrity with my diabetes as a kid. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so as I got older, um, it got much more challenging Mm. to, because when I was 10, I had my parents to help me, you know? Mm. Whereas when I started getting older, um, I kind of just, I wasn't really following this advice of the doctors. I wasn't really carb counting. I was guessing. And I was eating a horrible diet, like horrible. I was eating like hot Cheetos and Rice Krispie treats and M&Ms and like big sugar tooth. Mm. Sugar tooth? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so ended up in the hospital a couple times. I was a drug, uh, partial drug ish dealer and I was consuming drugs for mm. like nine or 10 months every weekend, like consistently without wow. a break and going to raves and staying up all night until the oh, hours of the sunrise. And that was so hard on my body. I, I just kind of like pushed it to the side. I was like, Oh, it's fine. You know, I'll take my insulin sometimes. Mm. Like, I don't, I'm just going to pretend like I'm a normal um, teenager that can do normal teenage stuff. Mm. I mean, even though that's not normal, but, well, but you know no, what I mean? Though? I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> that was normal for my journey. Right. So, um, yeah. So that was kind of like the first chunk was just like denial, push it away, get so bad that I end up in the hospital. So then. It's such a long story. I'm trying to like cliff notes it. Um, Let's see. What is the next important thing that wants to come through for this story? Timeline. (sighs) So we fast forward a couple years. I've totally cleaned up my diet. Um, I'm eating pretty decent. I'm at a country club working way longer than I should be. Not eating what I was originally 
cooking, but I, I started working so much that I had to just start eating what they were providing and got so sick again that I had to like leave the job, moved into a community, did work trade, was like, okay, maybe this didn't really work out. Went to Mount Shasta seeking answers from the earth, kind of found my way, kind of didn't went on this long journey of just tuning into my body and trying to understand like how do I help you like how do I live in harmony with you how do I balance this um diagnosis and I feel like I'm still on that journey however I have reached kind of like this place of um I've learned a lot about Western and Eastern medicine and the blending of that. I've learned a lot about energy and how that plays a part. And I've kind of identified, distilled some nuggets of how to live in harmony with this diagnosis that has nothing to do with anything my doctors have told me. The first thing is energy hygiene, Mm. making sure I'm clearing my energy because if I'm not doing that, it takes a toll on my blood sugars. What, What does it mean to clear your energy? Like what, like I know that everybody has their own special practice specific to them. And so energy clearing might be to me, might be completely different for you. Mm -hmm. Like what, so like, what does that mean for you? So when I clear my energy, I'm clearing my auric field around me and I'm clearing my, my physical body of any energy that I've been exposed to throughout the day, whether it's electrical signals and Wi-Fi stuff, or whether it's like being in someone else's field and being influenced by their energy field or their physical field. Um, And so I'll typically clear my energy through smoke. I like to have incense going. I like to have um, like sage or palo santo, or I've recently been burning just the juniper, the dried juniper outside because it feels more sustainable. Um, But like having some smoke and wafting it around me, it feels like it just clears. It like clears. It's like a shower. Yeah, exactly. Also love to use showers to clear my energy. Love to use the elements. That's what I use. I'll light a candle or I'll use sound and air or I'll drum or, you know, sometimes I even use like sacred self-pleasure to clear my energy because that's like if you really, really need to clear your energy. (laughs) Yeah, that's the way to go. (laughs) That's that's how you do it for sure, for sure. But I think um, there's so many different ways to clear your energy and it's important to kind of understand what those are for each of us individually. And it's always changing for me too. And it's always like, what do I need in this moment? Because what worked yesterday might not work today, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's always changing. Those are some of the ways that I like to clear my energy. Mm. Um, another thing distilled nugget uh, that has been important in navigating diabetes is physical movement Mm. and like knowing that um, this is good for anybody it's not just diabetes right but I've noticed that just trying to exist with this diagnosis every day and not doing yoga or running or stretching or hiking or doing some sort of movement, it like, it just makes me feel more stuck in my body. And diabetes can make you feel really stuck in your body already. So it's like, it's not just working with the balance of the blood sugars through movement, but it's also like feeling liberated in your body. Mm. Um, That that's a huge part of like existing in harmony with diabetes is feeling liberated in your body. And that doesn't look like trying so hard to meet the expectation of your endocrinologist diabetes doctor. No, that looks like 
putting on something sexy and moving and looking yourself in the mirror with your pump attached to you or with like your um, blood sugar checker attached to you and like, like, you know, like feeling liberated in your body. I feel like that's such an important thing. That's it for me. And I feel like for other people too, you know. Um, and I feel like there was one more thing that helps me really exist with this diagnosis. I think the um, doing a lot of the work around beliefs mm. has been crucial in existing with this diagnosis in harmony. Like doing the work around um, worthiness and like being too much for people or being embarrassed or like wanting to hide yourself or like wanting to shame the fact that like you're in the middle of a meeting but your blood sugar's low and you have to go get something and you like you don't want to get up and disturb the peace or whatever it is like yeah. there's so many there's so many moments that I feel like we could slip into shame or embarrassment or whatever it is and I feel like I've done a lot of work um not just with diabetes, but in life in general around taking up space and asking for what I need and like speaking my truth and being like, hey, I don't have the energy for this or hey, I actually need to do this or hey, I would love to help you at this time, but actually I need to spend an hour taking care of my body first so that I can have balanced blood sugars throughout the day and show up for you better. You know, it's like really reclaiming my voice and reclaiming my right to be a diabetic woman in the world. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. in, that's interesting <laughs> that you bring that up because I feel like as healers or people that are working through um, their ego or whatever it may be for spirituality and like the belief system that you're talking about, it's like you have this like obligation obviously to do the work that you need and find necessary in the world. And when you have people calling on you, it can be like feel selfish to be like actually not today. Mm -hmm. Like I thought it was today, but it's not today because yeah. my body's not either letting me or I just uh, something came up and I have to navigate something else mm -hmm. so it's like um it feels like we can let people down in those ways but it's actually you're safeguarding them mm -hmm. yeah and it's so interesting that you bring that up because um I navigated something like that today mm. I couldn't fall asleep last night and that's a huge part of Balanced blood sugars is oh, yeah. good sleep. Your body has to have a solid night of sleep to have good blood sugars the next day. And um, yeah, this morning I woke up so early with like dangerously low blood sugar. Like it was in like the 50s and it's supposed to be like 150. And so I woke up and I like stumbled to the kitchen and grabbed the honey and grabbed a banana and grabbed the apple juice and like stumbled to my table and I'm like so tired and I'm like, eating this banana like inhaling it because when your blood sugar is low dangerous like that you're in this like frantic I need sugar state so that, that that was me this morning and then I was so tired I was like oh my gosh like and I crashed back into bed and then I woke up a couple hours later and it was 300 it was it had like skyrocketed oh. all the way up and it's like it takes a lot of mental real estate to really understand how to approach your body in a way that like even when you're in that panic mode of i need sugar you still have to be in tune with your intuition and know when to say oh that's enough sugar 
And this morning I wasn't in tune with my body. I didn't check in and I just kept eating until I was like, okay, whatever. And then it, that it, it skyrocketed, you know, mm. and instead of, I woke up feeling so drained and instead of calling my boss and being honest and being like, Hey, I had a rough night of diabetes stuff. And can we, you know, is, is there some flexibility available flexibility here? Yeah. And I know she would have been flexible, but I, I didn't because I am still working through that, that, um, it's like a collective wound that we are healing right yeah. now. Of like asking for time off or a break when we need to. Um, so yeah, I'm growing in that area and I also, honor myself and do ask for that a lot of times too so it's not like i never do it you know it's just today was an off day of not doing that so thanks for listening yeah of course (laughs) that's really interesting too because i feel like the generation before us really uh kind of paved the path for us to feel like um not unworthy but whenever you aren't able to show up like there's this like thing about like like just going through it and it's Mm -hmm. in order to make other people feel impressed or um feel like uh you are worthy of whatever it may be that like you don't want to lose your job Mm -hmm. you don't want to think make make people think you're lazy right right and so it's just like that's really difficult I, i find myself navigating the same realms and then I, I told you this recently, like, I actually, like, every time that I eat anything or do anything like that, yeah. I'm, like, thinking about your blood sugar. Like, <laughs> I love that so Well, I do and I don't, but I do. <laughs> right, no, and it's because, like you said, there's a collective wound here. Yeah. And you were referencing something else, but, like, the way I see it is, like, we're all so communi- like, in communion with mm-hmm. each other that it's so important to see each other see where they're at, where their physical vessel is, and mm-hmm. then being able to allow space for that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you going through that has allowed me to have my eyes open in that realm, mm-hmm. but also I know that you're providing space for other people and having compassion in places maybe you wouldn't have had. Mm. Yeah. Right? And it's like, I'm not saying that the illness is a blessing, but, uh, but all, things, all things can be used <laughs> for blessings. Absolutely. Pain into purpose mm. is how I see it. The expand yeah. on that. So, pain into purpose. It's like, I, I thank you for what you shared just now, by the way. Yeah, for I sure, for sure. honor that and acknowledge that. And I absolutely feel like the ones before us have paved... A pathway and it's like we're collectively moving through that as the next generation so i see you and i see you doing it too uh. Hi. <laughs> um pain into purpose when i say that and reference my own journey i think a lot about um just the ways that i've suffered in my body and how i have been able to turn that into um education around my body and you know there was there was a chapter of my life where I was feeling I was numbed out to the pain that my body was feeling every day and um yeah I was I was involved in the realm of sex work and Mm. was very disconnected from my body and her pains and that chapter was a pretty painful chapter for me and in the chapter I'm in now, I have alchemized the pain of that chapter into purpose. Wow. Because now I 
through my own healing journey of coming back to my womb, coming back to my body, coming back to clearing my body of all of this energy that I had taken inside of me literally from these um, experiences of becoming one with people whose vibrations were really like down here. Mm -hmm. No judgment, by the way. I don't want to sound like, you know. But anyway, had a lot of clearing to do, a lot of healing to do. And through that journey, I learned so much about the womb and the way that the womb um, like has a whole energetic field of its own mm. because it literally grows a human in there. It's like mm. a whole world of its own, you know? Yeah. And I learned, I through my own journey, learned so much about um, when we give that womb the space to express itself through movement, through art, through creativity, through sound, through self-pleasure, like something happens and it expand like it start it can start out really vulnerable on that healing journey but once you clear that old dusty room out mm. and you open the windows and you like hang some tapestries and light some candles and incense you're like dang this womb is lit okay <laughs> and so now i share that with women and mm. i share that with womb bearers and it's like that's a prime example of pain into purpose is like i never I didn't care about my womb and my period or anything like that. And mm. through my pain of that whole journey, now, now it's part of my purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's really powerful. I know that you and I have gotten to work closely um, with creating a vision for what we're wanting to manifest in the world. Mm -hmm. And like that's one thing that I was really, um, I don't like to use the word impressed, but um, something that I saw you talking about very naturally and freely is um, your work with the womb mm -hmm. and your work with um, helping other people move through some very serious or heavy uh, energy mm -hmm. and it's so important that we as healers do that first yeah yeah and so you're really like putting in the, in the time <laughs> really. um, Thank you. I know that part of and by the way you're dressed so beautifully today <laughs> um, I know that part of what makes you feel very empowered as a woman <laughs> is how you dress Let's talk about that because I know that it's something that lights you up. Uh, let's talk about that. Zibian, you are such a holy man. I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about that. Dude, my journey of self-expression through dressing. Mm. Let me tell you about the dressing. Let me tell you about this conscious dressing because you know I got the sauce. <laughs> No, but for real though. <laughs> um, when I was younger, I so badly wanted to fit in, be skinny, be mm. cool, all the things. And I would dress in like things that were really tight to try and show off my figure. And I would wear booty shorts because I wanted other people to look at me. And it was very much like I'm dressing for the attention of other people. Wow. And... I even remember, like, my grandparents, they were very strict. Not strict, but, like, super Christian. Mm -hmm. And they would always be like... <laughs> That's so funny that, like, those words are interchangeable. <laughs> they were very strict with the beliefs that they carried as Christians. Amen. Yeah. I know how and... that can be. And I think they probably thought it was a sin to be showing so much skin because they would always tell me, like, your shorts are too short. 
Yeah. Which is fair, though. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to diss on them. They, they probably had some validity in that. <laughs> anyway, getting off topic here. Um, yeah, I was very conscious about my dressing in a not good way mm-hmm. when I was younger. And, you know, got older, still tried to do the same thing. Want to dress cute and, you know, try to look good for the world. Feel good about myself by looking good for the world. Wore makeup every single day, that kind of thing. And I am trying to identify, I can't really identify exactly when the switch happened, Mm -hmm. but I started dressing more like witchy and I started wearing bigger earrings and I started Mm -hmm. wearing things that showed my belly, not in a way of like, I wanted people to see me, but more in a way of like, oh, this, this makes me feel cute you know and it was more for me or comfortable yeah that too and so all that to say where i find myself at now is i dress like i'm an art piece sometimes and other times (laughs) you i dress other times where it's just like you know i'm chilling today i'm in my gangster self you know if i need to like feel protected and og Sometimes I'll just put on a t-shirt and like my bandana and feel protected. Mm. But other times I feel like um, if I'm like leading a ceremony or if I'm leading um, some sort of dance or if I'm going to an ecstatic dance, like I dress very um, like belly dance-esque, even if I'm not going to be belly dancing because it just feels like my most powerful version of self. I'll even go to the store like that sometimes. And I was reflecting earlier on like when I dress up, when I dress up and get ready and put on things that make me feel cute, it boosts my sense of confidence, which makes me feel more powerful, Mm. which makes me feel more um, like my energy is bigger. So it's not going to be diminished by going out into the world because I used to. I mean, I still am a very sensitive person, very energetically sensitive. I go into a store and I can feel Mm. so much and so I find that when I am feeling more in my body and more confident and more in my energy it's easier for me to stay there instead of being influenced by everyone around me Mm. so it's kind of like I also dress as a form of spiritual energetic protection Um, and yeah I also there's one more piece I want to throw in on that yeah for sure I like to show my belly a lot because um it's it's a round belly. It's a round, full, soft uh, belly. And all growing up, I wanted a flat belly. Mm. And for so long, I tried so hard to have a flat belly and just like thought that I was n- ugly and needed to hide mm. it. And showing my belly now, it feels like there's a part of me that's honoring my inner child and my inner young teen. Um, by saying, hey, our belly's still not flat. We're 25 now and it's still not flat. And guess what? We're beautiful. Mm. And like, we're like, we're dancing in dining rooms and performing on stages with our bellies out. And everyone think, well, not everyone, but pretty much <laughs> almost a lot of people think that we're beautiful. Right. And like feeling like that, like sending that back to her while at the same time embodying it within me. Cause there are some times where I still look in the mirror and I'm like, but then I'm like, okay, we're gonna show it today. And then I show it and it's out and it feels it feels empowering even when it feels vulnerable. And I feel like it gives permission to other women too, of like, wow, 
She's walking with that walk. She got that walk of confidence and her belly's out and she still look good. Yeah. You know, so that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> that's really cool. It's really cool to see. Um, and I think for the other generations, like the ones that came before us, I think that for them, it's exciting on a level of like knowing that we're embracing our bodies with everything that we have. And like also something that I know is really big for you is like um, unmystifying um, the parts of our bodies that like are have been so like taboo for such a long yeah. time and like being able to like talk about them freely mm-hmm. and um, express how we feel with people that are close and lo- I mean there's time and place yeah. and, and they definitely set the example and th- we will learn from that and I'm grateful for that um, but it was almost like growing up there was no time or space <laughs> mm-hmm. like th- it was just like forever zero yeah. right um, and so moving through a lot of trial and error in learning um, how to express ourselves freely, I think that, like, you definitely have that down. Like, you definitely... You. I mean, everybody's <laughs> going to feel a certain type of way here and there, you know what I mean? Yeah. But for the most part, I always see you as, like, very beaming, like, very <laughs> joyful, right? And so it's, like, it's really exciting to, like, see that in you because I know that you're spreading that wherever you go. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. something that you said whenever you're walking inside of stores and stuff like that, I want to like talk on this cause it'll kind of like lead, um, into dreams and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you say that whenever you go into these public spaces, like you can really feel what pe- you can like, you almost like have people's emotions for them mm-hmm. because I, I feel like we live in a very unconscious world. And so I feel like sometimes we're swimming through people's subconscious when we enter these realms and so like safeguarding that um field for ourselves and sometimes i don't know if you feel this way but like sometimes i don't even (laughs) sometimes i don't even um set up a boundary because i'm like i'll take on whatever it is that needs to be taken on today because i know that it's not going to be taken on by the person that's having it Mm. and so like like how do you how do you navigate that? You talked you talked briefly about how like you will cleanse your field or um, set intentions or just have a relationship with belief systems, but um, talk about like uh, someone that just doesn't have time to put smoke on, doesn't have time to beat the drum, doesn't have time right. for a shower. Like right. what? Like what does your practice look like? Mm. Oh, such a good question. Come on with the question. Uh, I would say that the most powerful tool, even if you do have time, like across the board, most powerful tool is the voice mm. and not the in the mind voice, but the spoken voice, the out loud voice, the voice that creates a vibration out of your throat, mm. like not just the thought um, speaking out loud, even something as quick as. I'm not available for the projections of anyone else's energy. I'm grounded in my own energy. Like something as simple as that, you know, or um, like I'm grounded in my own energy. I'm not available. I'm not available for projections. Mm. Um, I was doing that a lot in COVID. Uh, That was like my go to every time. I don't always do it anymore. But during COVID, dude, because I wouldn't always wear my mask. Like I everybody's got their thing. I was not always a fan of the mask. I was not. I would wear it when I needed to but there were times where I would push the limit and be like nah I'm not gonna wear that today (laughs) and um 
going into a store and being the cause of like everyone piercing you with a gaze of like why are you not wearing your mask like you should die type of shit like that was intense and so I didn't even always have time to really do the whole cleansing smoking symbols thing just saying that would be enough for me like I I am not available that's that's the keywords I am not available for anyone else's projections of anger. I'm not available for anyone else's um, lower vibrational field. I'm not available to be influenced by the energy around me. Like, I am not available. Because if you, if you are available, things are going to influence you. But mm-hmm. if you declare with your voice, something happens with the vibration of your voice. It, like, surrounds you. Yeah. Um, so take a minute in your car, you know, and be like, I'm not available for this. And then that's... That's that. <laughs> I feel like you and I, like, from the moment we first met, it was, like, this uh, interesting thing with word alchemy. Yeah. It's, like, we're always, yeah. like, updating each other. I'm, like, I'm like <laughs> don't say this, say this. Or, like, yeah. say that, say that. Like, or do uh, you know the etymology of this? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, that's, like, always us. Like, that we're always having that conversation. Um, so, like, what's, um, just, like, off the top of your head, is there anything that's alive for you right now that you want to be, like, oh, like, this is alive in, for me right now with your words? Mm. Um, yeah, I have to and I choose. Mm. It's a big one. Because um, when we say I have to do this, I have to do that. It's like you're saying you don't have a choice. Yeah. And there's so many areas in our life where we think we don't have choice, where we actually do. Um, and so even the, the most basic thing of like, um, I choose to pick my children up from school. You know, it's like. I don't have kids, but you know what I mean. Right. (laughs) It's like you're technically choosing. Like you don't actually have to do that. Like you could go drive your car eight hours away and never come back. And they'd be like, where did my parents go? You know, so I wouldn't do that. But it's still a choice. (laughs) You're like, we could be going through family drama right now. power of choice yeah. like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay um but back back to like the alchemy of that like when you start to say i choose mm-hmm. instead of i have to it switches something in your brain to make you feel more liberated mm-hmm. um another one is abundance Ooh. i swear that is a like that is a magic word Okay. That is a magic word. That is an abundant word. Yes. <laughs> because maybe I've been saying this for years, um, but I started, I don't know when it started, but just one day it just started where people were saying things and I'd go, oh, abundance. Or they would tell me something mm. and instead of saying cool, I'd be like abundance. And I feel like just saying that word so many times throughout the day or the week, it like it keeps that field alive because words also have a vibrational field yeah and so when we say certain words some are charged more than others you know Mm -hmm. like the i don't know i think they have pretty neutral charge the word the (laughs) but things like uh murder that's got a charge to it you feel me yeah or other charged words so anyway uh abundance make people flinch exactly abundance has a very high frequency and so it's Mm. it's almost like the opposite of people who are spraying Febreze in their house all the time, and it's like lingering, right? Oh, okay. It's like, okay, oh. but Febreze is not good. That's a chemical. Right, okay. Start speaking abundance and let that vibration hang in the air around you. It'll change the sense <laughs> and everything. <laughs> abundance. Infinite sense. Yes, yes, yes. 
That's precious. I love that so much. I think that um, there's always something to be said about how we relate with the words and how it, important it is to create a foundation to exist in the world with our words mm-hmm. because like that's really how our voices carry and like that's coming from oftentimes hopefully I know for you and I we make the intention to speak from a very heart-centered space mm-hmm. and so like yeah it's definitely carrying that intention um whoa I just had an epiphany can I do share? it <laughs> <laughs> this is the place for epiphanies yes this is epiphany tea time um, you just said something about speaking from the heart space yeah. and I had this like realization that we don't just speak from the heart space and the throat. Like we speak from all of our different chakras when we speak. And so it's like thinking about where are you speaking from and are you speaking from a positively charged or a negatively charged perspective? Like if you're speaking from your heart and you're saying something heart centered and uplifting and loving, that's like the positively charged Whereas, or maybe like the balanced charge versus the imbalanced charge. You could be saying something like, oh, you don't care about me. And you're speaking from your heart space, but it's from a place of like grief or betrayal. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I'm having this realization of like, where am I speaking from, first mm. of all? And then is it like imbalanced or balanced? And if it's imbalanced, what is it needing? Like what, what does this chakra need to speak from a balanced place? So that, that was like a whole no. thing that just opened for me what right now. What comes alive for me in that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, feel it. Is that um, I think I recently told you about how like every chakra and for some people they might not know this or they might know this and or they just don't believe in it or whatever. <laughs> so um, many possibilities. So many, <laughs> so many paths. So many um, belief systems. <laughs> but um, I told you that there's like a ne- there's like a, a pull to every single chakra because they oscillate in a kind of like a magnetic force if you will and so Mm -hmm. there's a positive and a negative charge and so like how you're describing is like you can be speaking from a heart space but it could be negatively charged Mm -hmm. that's not saying that it's evil bad or whatever it's Mm -hmm. just saying that it's like in a different vibration than what it would be like if it was positive i almost think of negative as deficient and positive as like too much okay and like the the middle charge is balanced yeah. And then, like, the negative charge isn't bad, but it's just Where deficient. It's, like, pulling There's not back enough of into something. itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super powerful. <laughs> I think I exist definitely inside of these realms a lot of the times, like, um, unknowingly. Like, do you... Mm. Ooh. <laughs> we move in energy. Yeah, literally moving <laughs> energy. Anyway. Um, like, I know that, like, uh, I've sat in ceremony with you a couple times. Uh, a few times? A couple times? Three. Three times? Two. We sat in sweat, we sat at full moon, we sat at ancestral. A few. Yeah. Um, So we've sat in a few spaces together, and that's been really um, encouraging for me to see, like, oh, like, these are my people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, making, uh, setting ceremony. Like, it's Mm -hmm. so powerful to be in ceremony. And um, something that I always notice that you're doing is, like, you're moving energy. Like, you, like... Even in like, the idea of the kundalini, like, starting at the sh- root chakra and, like, moving up, like, you're always, like, finding a way to, like, start at a very primal kind of energy, and then you, like, turn it into this, like, most angelic force, <laughs> right? And it's really powerful, like, that's, that's, like, what some people would call, like, tantra, or, like, that's what some people would call, um, just kundalini energy. Right. And so, like, what does it, wh- what does it mean for you to do that? Like, what headspace or, like, what is going on when you're like actually alchemizing energy. Mm. 
so crucial on that journey and this is some powerful stuff to drop and I noticed that my throat has been coughing the last couple days in preparation for the truths that we've spoken today and continue to speak um, so I am a channel I am a clear channel. Um, I'm not perfectly clear. Nobody ever is perfectly clear if they're in a human vessel. Um, however, I've done a lot of connecting to my human vessel to purify it so that it can be a clear channel. And so when I'm moving energy, when I'm alchemizing energy, uh, whether for myself or for the collective or for a collective field group of people in person with me, or a collective field that are tuned into me via like an online digital realm. Um, all of those are containers in which I will enter into a conscious channel. And when I say that, what do I mean by that? I mean that, hmm, I mean that I allow myself to circulate energy in a way that is not uh letting anything stick right because if you're gonna mm. if you're gonna be a channel and you're gonna circulate and move energy for a collective things you're gonna want to try and stick and mm. so i move my body i move my body mm. i tune into my breath i tune into visualization and the voice it starts in the base of the spine um whether i'm like connecting in ceremony and just stretching or whether I'm moving or doing something, breathing, it starts in the body, like grounding into the body. Before I ever move into any sort of like raising the energy up, um, always ground into the body. And there's typically some sort of connection to the self, which travels up, you know, connection to the emotions, connection to the power, connection to the heart space. Um, and then voice, sound, breath, something that involves the throat, being able to move it up using uh, sound has been an incredibly powerful tool for alchemy. Uh, I work a lot with rage in that mm. way where like I'll ground, I'll stretch, I'll get into my body, I'll light a candle to like hold the space, I'll call in my guides and my support because I don't have to hold this all alone. Like this is, we, it's a team effort, like mm. it's a whole collective universe here. So I call in my people and um, yeah, I'll, I'll ask, I'll set an intention with my, my voice or my words or my writing or both. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'll say like I, I direct the force of this um, to alchemize like collective rage around womb rights or abortion rights or, you know, whatever it is that's alive in the collective field of anger. And I'll, I'll use my voice to alchemize it. I'll tap into sound. I'll tap into like 
movement and and like making primal sounds it's because it's like the primal sound starts with the root but then comes up through the throat and I feel like it's not that it goes out and doesn't ever continue up but I feel like this is a purifier this the mm. throat is the channel of pure like purifying the energy um so yeah I I don't even know if I answered your question that was <laughs> just divine kinda... that was perfect <laughs> That was so divine. I like went wherever you went with you. Like we both left. Yes. Our <laughs> we were the channel just now. Yeah, we are the channel. We okay. are the channel. <laughs> Wait, there was one other thing that wanted to come through. Now I'm realizing. Um, with with the the release, um, another crucial part of alchemy and being a channel to raise the kundalini energy is that when that happens in other people, stuff's coming out. Like. When, oh, the, yeah. when the kundalini raises, it's a purifier. It's the serpent. It's like clearing out the poison. So that's released into the air. That's mm. released into the field. So there has to be an element of further alchemy to clear the field. Otherwise, everything that everyone's just released, it's like everyone's stinky breath, right? It's like right. taking up the whole space. Yeah. So oftentimes in ceremony, I'll have the elements. I'll have a candle yeah. lit. I'll have some smoke burning. Yeah. I'll have a bowl of water to absorb it that I can offer to the earth. Yeah. And then I'll have a crystal or a stone. And so it's like the fire, the air, the water, the earth. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That's super powerful. <laughs> no, that's so right. Um, there's there's an element here that I want to... <laughs> the earth out. No, um, <laughs> there's, there's a level here of... Um, can I? I feel like this knee needs to stretch. Yeah, that's really cool. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so <laughs> we move in a lot of energy. <laughs> lots of energy. When you talk about raising the vibration, when you talk about soaring to places that I feel like either our ancestors most in most recent times either haven't been able to get there, quite there, mm -hmm. or um, have been able to have visions of it, see the possibility of being vulnerable, loving, you know, compassionate, whatever it is. But like not being able to have that, like when it comes down to our shoulders, um, and I know this is going to be super relevant for you, because, um, <laughs> and it is for me too, Yeah. there's this level of like, um, I don't like to use the word fear, but like there's a huge challenge in raising that vibration and actually maintaining it. Mm -hmm for um not understanding what it might require of us um so like what like when you're navigating those realms of like soaring higher and not wanting to because of what it might ask of you um what how do you how do you either move around that move through it like what's going through your mind whenever you're trying to connect with higher vibrations and you're having resistance mm. it's so funny that you asked this question um and before i answer it i want to tell you about a dream i had two nights ago mm. where i was um i was in this space with a group of people and i was looking for a bowl of cheerios and i like had this bowl of cheerios <laughs> in the dream right? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah 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 I, I, sure. <laughs> I don't eat cheerios in my life okay. but anyway <laughs> I had this bowl of Cheerios and I'm sitting with this group of people who are telling me a story about how they did that thing where you climb up the side of a straight up and down mountain and then you get to the top and you're like on this huge cliff. And I was closing my eyes and visualizing it as they were telling me. And so I was there through my visualization. I was there 
and it scared me so much to be so high mm. that I dropped my food and it like spilled everywhere. And I like looked at it and then the dream switched and I was in the mountains and I saw in front of me this huge cliff and I knew that I had to jump off this cliff and I knew that once I did that, I would fly, but that I had to trust and jump off the cliff and fly. And, um, so I did, I ran and I jumped off and I flew and it was amazing. And then I came back and I taught another little girl how to fly. Um, oh, wow. which was significant in itself. But the reason I share this is because that dream feels like exactly what you're talking about, where it's like, I am feeling this call in my life right now to rise to a higher vibration, to a higher level of existence, to a higher level of authentic relating and connection and service and visibility and medicine carrying like all these things and being asked to raise and uh look at eros <laughs> my python is just like hey i'm here i'm here in the conversation too anyway <laughs> um yeah i feel like i've had a lot of resistance in jumping off that cliff because it's like there's the part of me that's like, oh, well, can I make my living like this? Because I, talking about the things that we carry on our shoulders from the ones before us, I come from a family where it's like, if you don't get a college education and you don't have a degree and you don't have a high paying professional job, then you're, um, you're going to live paycheck to paycheck and you're going to be not successful. Irrelevant. Yeah. And that's been like a belief I've had to really move through mm. because my, most of my family um, doesn't actually support the journey of raising into a higher vibration of all these roles I want to fill. And so it's been this um, journey of learning how to tune into the future vision and learning how to tune into the why. Because if you're being called, if I'm being called to step into a higher vibration, I know that that is divinely guided. I know that I can trust that. I know that it's because I'm being called to a path of service, you know, and getting clear on that and getting clear on my why, it helps me um, not dismiss the fear because the fear's there, you know, but it helps me more be like, hey, um, I hear you, I see you, and there's a greater purpose to this. So that's part of it is identifying with the vision and like the why, like why am I being called to raise or rise in this way? And then the other piece to it is the movement, the body, because the body resistance oftentimes is in the body somewhere. Like it it's is. stored in the body and it's stored in your cell memory or it's stored in a traumatic imprint or it's stored in a chakra or it's stored in an organ, whatever. And so the other part of moving through resistance actually has nothing to do with the mind or mm. identifying anything. It's just resistance. That's what it is. You're like, okay. I am wanting to do this thing and I'm feeling resistance. I don't need to know why I'm feeling it. I don't need to know the story. I just need to know that I'm setting the intention to move through it yeah. and then create a piece of artwork or wow. write a poem or do a dance or move your body or punch a bag or like go work out, you know, like the, there, I think that both parts are so important, like the logical mentality of the resistance, but also the surrendering of the physical like letting go of it and moving it through you wow that's powerful i know i that's wow you like really connected a lot of dots for me inside of that i, I can't Yay. wait to look back at this but, because 
Right. Um. Hi. There's some really powerful. Did you just give a message to your sister? Yes! future us though I, I was like saying hi to me and to you in the future that's that so are watching cool. this that's so cool um but the the, the the dot that you connected for me was that it's not it's more than just observing it because yeah. I, I have always like picked up on that and i talk about it heavily is like whenever you're moving through an, an emotion or moving through a traumatic event mm-hmm. where it is stored in the body that it's more than just you you're like saying like okay no it's more than just observing it. It's actually using it as a catalyst for moving through it. Mm-hmm. And like um, just yesterday, I had a podcast with um, this very holy man. And um, I like to, I, it's funny because I'm adopting your language. Yay! Um, he, I love that so much. He said that you are a holy man. <laughs> we are holy people. <laughs> um, he says that like whenever the that muse does come up, whenever there is a heavy emotion, that he mm-hmm. uses that as a way of forming a poem or forming mm-hmm. um, a beautiful song, because he's also an artist. And so being able to like be in touch with that muse mm-hmm. is like so important. And I notice, and I want to hear what you have to say about this. Is like, how do you move through being a creator? This is about to go somewhere really good. I, <gasps> I think we still have time. Um, being a creator, we have infinite, infinite time. time. <laughs> when you're a creator, and you feel the desire to let your medicine be known in the world, how do you navigate being integral with your muse and your creative process, mm-hmm. and not just producing? Mm. Mm. As a creative, how to how do I move in integrity with sharing my medicine with the world without producing? I feel like producing is a very machine-like, um, identical type of like disconnected thing. Producing like. In the context I'm thinking of it, it's like you're producing something versus creating something, birthing something, breathing life into something. And I feel like tuning into the spirit of what I'm wanting to create helps me remain in that place of creating rather than producing. I feel like um, one of the ways that I, f- I am most connected to my creator, my creatrix self, is um, moving my body. Keep coming back to this theme. It's yeah. so crucial in so many areas. It's like when I um, am moving my body, it feels like it's consistently having this flow of creativity moving mm. through me. So it's easier for me to access the spirit of what wants to come through, what wants to be shared with the world from a place of authenticity uh, rather than like, feeling like, oh, I have to come up with something. It's like, no, I just have to move my body Mm. and then surrender into that place of like, okay, what wants to move through me, you know? And after movement, dropping in with a poem or dropping in with a post or dropping in with like, hey, let's record a video now that I just moved my body and I'm feeling activated, you know? It's like allowing myself to have the pregame. It's Mm. like there has to be a pregame in order for me to uh, share my medicine instead of just like, creating something 
and producing it. Like there has to be a container that I enter into wow. that has the intention of movement or has the intention of like clearing the channel. Because if my channel is not clear, then I'm going to be producing rather than being in integrity with what wants to come through. Wow. Mm. What a powerful, what a powerful testimony. I am, I am always in awe of what you have to offer. I've watched you. We've been a year now. Yeah, because Pride Month. Pride Month. Yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow that's so Month. wild. Isn't that wild? It feels like, so it feels like lifetimes. I mean, it, it is feels, lifetimes. It is lifetimes. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that's wild. It's really powerful. I feel like you have been the catalyst for me moving through realizing the potential that I have to offer and like being able to like see me and like offer me support has like been really powerful for me and so being able to do the same for you has like been really grateful for me Full circle. Um, I'm feeling really complete in our recording I'm not sure if there's anything else I'll add I know people can find you on Instagram you're on TikTok you're on um, Spotify you have your own podcast you have your own <laughs> uh soundcloud you have your own soundcloud no soundcloud you're you have music posted somewhere yeah where is it on on spotify Spotify. okay cool cool. um and then facebook facebook nah no that's more just like the peeps and homies i feel that (laughs) that's the way it should be (laughs) and like the grandparents that don't have anything else yeah they're like what is anything yeah 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 everything else moves too fast i think Uh, thank Um, you yeah, thank you. I'll post all of your information. I love you so much. Anything you want to leave off on, anything that's alive for you, you want to end with? Yeah. Gratitude, first of all, for your witnessing of me and also for this platform and this space and just like the celebration of you, the celebration of your voice, the celebration mm-hmm. of your medicine. You're, you're very skilled at asking the right questions that guide mm-hmm. people to the places that they need to go. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for that. And hydration is really important. <laughs> like, like that is a mantra. Hydration is so, so important. And yeah, I feel like every body everywhere needs <laughs> hydration. So Amen. yeah, we can maybe do a part two because I totally forgot to go over ADHD stuff. But maybe that could be like a chunk of its That's own. That's <laughs> part part three part four like you're so powerful thank you so much i love you and bless all y'all for tuning in i hope you got some good medicine and blessed motherfucking bee